Hi folks, welcome to another edition of Gold Bazan. Myself, Bob Ake Goldrisi, Naisami, and Pejwan Pars, all directors of Gold Bazan, will be doing an analysis of Iran versus Syria's match. We're very delighted that we're going to have two guests on for this pod. Um, Mahdi Raimi, which he runs a fantastic website for reigning football pa- fans, and Ari Aloverdi. Ari is a huge diehard team Mendy fan and is also doing his coaching uh, in Scotland. And interesting enough, how many people could say they have a Scottish accent and they're Iranian? So definitely tune in to that that segment is going to be towards the end of the pod um and if for any team medley football fan that is interested to join us um definitely shoot us an email or uh, find us on twitter facebook or just shoot us a message and we'll definitely would love to have you on um a lot of people have shown interest it's just very hard to you know balance everything but definitely if you're very interested just let us know everybody's more than welcome to join and also um as i've said it in the we're looking at building a website for gold bazan and we're in the process of doing that, and shout out to Hassan, um, another huge gold design fan has been helping with us. But nonetheless, we're also looking for a graphic designer um, for anybody that's looking to boost their CV or whatnot. Um, definitely shoot us a message for that. And um, as always, we appreciate the support you've been giving us, and we're just going to keep leading great content leading up to the World Cup. And as always, thank you. Right now, join with the panel. Um, how's everybody doing today? And we have a special guest all the way from Austria, Mahdi. Mahdi, it's obviously a pleasure to have you on. Um, obviously, for Bob Axmate, we're definitely looking forward to your viewpoints. How's everybody doing today? Good. 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 Hi, guys. Nice Hi, guys. Good to speak to you, as always. All right. Well, let's get started. So, obviously, today, we just want to talk about um, the analysis match of Iran's performance versus Syria. I'm always pretty surprised myself um, that it was a very, very strong lineup from Kairos, very attack-minded. Um, first off, coming off, would you see him? Is that, is that what you expected? and um, Or were you surprised that he didn't, like, for example, start somebody else that you wanted him to start? Um, I mean, the previous podcast, when we spoke about the, the game against Syria, we all sort of agreed that there will be changes in the lineup since... Uh, it is a meaningless game. It will be at home, and it's the second game in, in the international break, and um, it would be a good opportunity to to try a few new players or just to rotate the squad. But uh, yeah, I was I was kind of surprised that he went uh, with his first choice uh, uh, starting eleven. Um, it was for me. It was kind of uh, I was expecting to see Tardami starting against South Korea. But now that he started against Syria, I feel like he rested him in that game specifically, specifically for the game against Syria. Um, so he was back in the lineup. But um, I think the most surprising thing for me was was the back four that Ansari uh, continued to start um, against uh, Syria. I'm not sure how fit Hosseini was, but um, I, I think he was part of the squad. He was training, so I was kind of expecting him to to be involved. But uh, of course, Kairos chose uh, not to. And uh, of course, Osman coming back from suspension, he was back in the lineup, and he kind of repaid that with with the two goals. Bobak, I mean, uh, Sina just pinpointed about the partnership between Purali Ganji and Ansari. 
and obviously we're gonna get into more specifics of that partnership that obviously was in my eyes not the best again um was, was there any notable changes that you saw from Kairos besides that that you think that potentially somebody else could have slotted in as an experimental or especially that again he started tarring me on the left wing to be honest uh like Sina, I was a little bit surprised. I thought there would be a bit more rotation. Um, poor Ali Genji and Ansari, um, again, it didn't look like something was right between them. The chemistry probably wasn't there. Um, we, we mentioned this about the uh, Korea game as well. Uh, but the fact that there wasn't so much depth, he called up uh, Ezzatullah Purgaz and he came on in the second half. So that suggests to me that Ansari is one of the big losers from these two games because he didn't convince and he was subbed off in the 54th or 55th minute, which is not what you'd expect for your centre-back. So that needs working on. Uh, maybe Hosseini comes back in or he might be looking at other potential players. Taremi coming back in, not so surprising. He's... Uh, had good performance, uh, performances during the whole qualification. Uh, central midfield again. Uh, El Said was Sorry, suspended. Back, back. One question uh, yeah. to you and Sina both as well. Do you think that Ansari more or less blew his chances to be a part of the natural team? Or at least a starter? Because two uh, games, that kind of poor performance in my opinion. Yeah, that was my instinct, and I said, for me, if I had to pick two or three big losers from these two games, Ansari would be probably at top of the list, although it's a little bit unfair because he's thrown in against South Korea for his debut. That's not an easy game. And then against Syria at home, a uh, few changes. Probably if he started next to Hosseini, it could have been easier for him. So I think, yes, uh, he probably did. And if we've looked at the last four or five years, we've seen Kairos has tried a lot of different players at centre-back, people coming in for one or two games and uh, then uh, being uh, put aside. Uh, poor Gaz was one of them as well, but he's back into the picture again. So, yeah, I think um, a lot, the main thing I took from the game was there's a lot of work to be done between now and the World Cup. Also, I think one thing that Ansari has going for him is the fact that he can play in two or three different positions in the back four. So I think that that's versatility and flexibility that he has. Um, I think that's the, the best point about him. Uh, again, I'm, I'm unsure about him starting with Pura Ganji anyway, as, as Bobak mentioned. I think it would have been better if he started next to his uh, club mate in uh, Jalal Hosseini, because I feel like even Pura Ganji needs a bit of guidance himself uh, when he's when he plays for Team Ali. Um, but again, I mean, in the last World Cup, we saw a, a player like Ahmad Olaneme, who, who was part of the squad, who isn't a special player at all, but he was a squad player who could play in two or three different positions. Very similar to Mohamed Ansari, left-footed, he could play centre-back and left-back. So I feel like Ansari will be that player in the squad. I'm not 100% sure if he will be going to the World Cup, but uh, I think it's too early to rule him out yet. Peshman, I want to ask you about the midfield before I pass it on to Matthews for him to talk about the front four for the match against Syria. Um, what did you make out of the partnership between Ali Karimi and Haj Sefi, especially considering that you know he took off Ali Karimi and brought in Cheshmi? I don't know if that was for an injury or just he felt like Ali Karimi wasn't playing to the best of his capabilities, but now even though he just recently signed with his former club, signed the, the, a club that he pretty much grew up with, um, what did you make out of that partnership? Concerning side that Zatole wasn't was suspended. 
Yeah, well, uh, we, we kind of bashed uh, Said for the game against uh, South Korea and his uh, stupid mistake. But uh, after looking, uh, in this, looking after the Syrian game, uh, I do believe that we maybe should have... We needed at least somebody like Ezra Tolloy there. Although he's, uh, he, he haven't played any, any games in Russia so far, but for me, I prefer to see him right now Ezatoloi and Hodge Safi together. Somehow, I think uh, the reason Ezatoloi have been playing all the games uh, for Kairos is that he's a really good listener. Uh, and when he does play well, he really does play well. Like the games against, Uzbek- the games against Uzbekistan, uh, he was great. You know, But uh, I think he needs guidance and uh, it's... Coming back to your question, Karimi Hodge Safi, I think it went so so. I mean, the Syrians they didn't have any problems to to uh, penetrate the Iranian midfield at least for twenty minutes, uh, first twenty minutes. But then again, uh, it wasn't. You can only blame those two guys. Uh, they used the Iranian wings kind of easy, and they knew how to how to come from both sides. But I think. Uh, that trio with Hodge Safi, Karimi, and Ezatolai would be two of two out of three would be starting and in the World Cup. So probably Hodge Safi and Ezatolai. But I think we need some depth, depth there maybe in Omid Ebrahimi Mahdi, or someone like him. Mahdi, I wanted to speak to you about the front four. Um, on paper, obviously, Sardar Osman has secured his spot on the right wing. Adir Zajamabak has secured his spot. Again, Ashkan and Dejago started at 10, and for me, honestly, I felt like he had a good performance despite he's not played for a club yet. But the issue we also have at number 10 is that he's not a traditional number 10, as the boys have always been discussing. He doesn't have the legs for it. You know, he's without a club. Um, but it still shows you how much Kairos has trust with him. On the other hand, on the left wing, so Atarami is not even a left wing, but he still has been slotting in there. That's another position that is up for grabs, as Vahid Amiri didn't make it for himself. Um, what, did, what do you make out of that? And um, do you potentially see potentially Salman Godus um, feeling that side? Um... I mean, I, I honestly don't know if he wants to play four in the front or just three in the front between the midfield coming forward for the World Cup, to be honest with you. And then, you know, it depends. Do you want someone uh, on the left who goes in or provides goal or just makes the field, gives adds, adds width to the team? So I guess it depends in that regard. I think, I think honestly, uh, the front three... Uh, like three of the front four, if you want to, are set. Mm. I think we will go there with with uh, Tarami, Osmoon, and Jaumbar. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about Dejaga, I mean, yeah, you said it. He's not a ten. He's just a guy who has basic fundamental uh, football skills, if you want to. But um, he just, I mean, he has been with the team for for a long time. I think he. Kiaros is, is this type of coach who just relies on his uh, soldiers, if you want to, speaking. So I think um, he, he, but he knows about the, the problems we have uh, going forward for the 10 position, also for uh, a player linking midfield and attack or like, you know, being being some sort of creative player in midfield. Um, 
So I think the Koro's addition, we will see how much he gets to play. I think Shojoi is still in the books. I don't think Kirosh himself will play Dejaga as a 10. Mm-hmm. But but we'll just carry him with him. So that's that's these are my thoughts about it. Um but I, I think like more or less the idea of who's gonna be like the forward line is is kind of set. So do you think, Marty, that uh, I feel this as well, that depending on the draw, if we have tough games in that group, we could be seeing us revert to a three in the midfield and yeah. sacrifice the number ten. Yes, yes, that's basically... I mean, look, honestly, I also think, like, the reason... Like, I mean, we basically played the full full 11, like, like first 11 squad, like, we played the strongest squad. You could argue that this was because uh, Kiroj wanted to, um, you know, not, not that it be seen, like, overthrowing the game, but it could also be, you know, you could... The team obviously played a little bit more expensive than, than before, so... Uh, Iran, Iran will will go to the World Cup in a in a. I mean, I think our team and and the depth of the team is fine, but like obviously in some spots, midfield most importantly we will have problems. And again, it will be really depending on who the who the teams will be we will face. So I think Keros right now is just trying to you know see how how his options are and where. He will obviously still have um, things to change and fine-tune, obviously. Right. Well, I just want to keep it at this topic before we move on to talk about the team yeah. performance. Um, Bobak, um, obviously, Matthew, that's something that I was saying beforehand was potentially I was saying in my eyes that we're going to play a 4-3-3, basically a three-man midfield. Right now, with the situation with Saeed Azatulai, how do you see that unfolding if Karish was going to play with a three-man midfield going down to uh, Russia? I personally would like to see us experiment with a three-man midfield. We haven't done that throughout the whole qualification right. campaign. You could argue that, yes, playing with a number 10 means we're more expansive, we're potentially more attacking in this group, but for the World Cup, I don't think this midfield is going to cut it. Um between the two of them, between Masoud and Dejaga, I would start Masoud at this moment in the number 10. he's He's been decent recently. I mean, he has his critics, but we don't have another player who could do that role. But I would like to see how we could play with Saeed, uh, with Hodge uh, Safi and a third player. Who that third player is right now, yeah. I can't put my finger on him. Uh, Karimi, uh, Cheshmi came on, he had he had an impact on the game. Does he have the quality to start in the World Cup? I'm not so sure. Uh, could we find another centre-back to partner with maybe Hosseini and then poor Ali Ganji moves up? I don't know. There's a lot of questions uh, to be had. Uh, it's difficult to see, but I think we need to work with a three-man midfield between now and uh, next June if we're going to have any chance of uh, progression. Right. Now let's talk about the team performance um, coming off with you, Pejman. For me, honestly, just two words the whole entire match. And a player that is aging but is shown to be such a, such a vital player for us again is Jalal Hosseini. Both Morteza, Purali Ganji, and Ansari were all over the place. You know, um, in my eyes, I felt like Iran was sort of disrespecting Syria. It didn't seem like the players were taking him as seriously on, with the goals conceded and whatnot. 
Um, now looking coming off back of that with Jalal Hosseini, of a crucial player he is, um, and with this team performance, and with the lack of depth do we we have, what did you make out of t- team performance wise, and where do you see this situation unfolding with Jalal Hosseini and with the lack of uh, center backs? Um, it it's kind of worrying. I mean, okay, sure, Iran was already qualified and Syria, they had all to play for and so. But uh, when we play against better teams that will take advantage of the, the, the rookie mistakes and the kind of amateur mistakes that the Iranians make, it's, you will get punished. Uh, so I, I agree with the fact that Hosseini is much more needed than we probably understand. And I mean, just look at actually both games, both the South Korea games and uh, and the Syria game. Uh, Iran lost several uh, duels in their own turf. I mean, in their own penalty area with heads. Iranian players are usually really good in defense with, with heading up the ball, but they lost several of them. And that's not something that's that we're used to when Hosseini. Is running the ship because Hosseini is a he's a beast, he's a giant in the air, and he won't let anybody uh, dictate what to do. He dictates the uh, the other players and tells them what to do. Mm-hmm. We kind of miss that player in the in the Iranian defense and uh, Puraniganji. He's still young, uh, as you say, he's sometime all over the place. I'm sorry, it was his first and second game in the national team. Uh, it's maybe hard to expect him to do something like that. So uh, we we lack a leader in the Iranian defense, and the Iranian defense will be challenged in the World Cup because we will play against better teams. Uh, Iran won't have like against. Uh, Syria, 60-65% uh, of the ball. That won't happen. So um, I'm kind of worried, but I'm glad that these issues are coming up now and not like one, two months before the World Cup because then we won't have time to do something about it. Kerosh have time to think about how to deal with the Iranian defense. And who knows? We maybe see a totally new face in the defense. Uh, I won't be surprised if that happens at all. Sina, where would you say uh, Syria basically penetrated the most and gave us the hardest of difficulties of times possibly uh, throughout the entire match um, from your own personal viewpoint? I think, uh, as we discussed in the in the last uh, in the last episode, the, the presence of Omar Al Soma I think was really crucial for them. Um, he, he he scored the second goal, of course, and got the assist for the first goal. Um, so shutting him down was, I mean, must have been a priority for Kairos and his team. But uh, Omar Osama, one of, if not the best striker currently playing in Asia, did his thing, and uh, he's, he's really difficult to play against. But as just going back to a point that Pejman made, which is comes back to the point on on, on Osama, is um, that lack of leadership. I think that's really important. That's it's something that we've missed a lot. Um, Yes, we do have a, a couple of captains such as Dejogah and Masoud and even Hosh Safi, but there's there's no 
characters in that team that are true leaders that can really grab a hold of, of a player or two and get them to, to be in a specific position or just communicate in the back four. I think in the past World Cup, of course, Hosseini was there, but then we had Nekunam in midfield as well. So uh, everything was uh, really uh, communicated well amongst the players. But I don't feel like communication is something that this team does really well. And uh, we could see that, to me, specifically on the long balls. I think there was a lot of confusion of who's going for the ball, who's, who's covering. And I think that needs that, that's something that... When you're on the pitch, the coach can't really do anything about that. It has to be the players really uh, taking ownership and taking responsibility in those situations. I think it was, it was very visible in the game against South Korea as well. Um, there were moments, especially in the first half, where uh, there was a lot of confusion uh, in the back four and the, the two midfield in front of them. So I think that's something that uh, can be helped when, when Hosseini plays, that he will... Um, tell his players what to do he will command uh, the back four and uh, I think that's really important Bobak, um, coming off basically what seen on page one said uh, leadership, obviously it's a key key thing and we definitely do need it for the World Cup um, based off what you personally think who would you say are the leaders within our squad right now? It's tough to say but I would definitely say Hussein is one uh, I feel that uh, Ashkan, Masood, these are again uh, potential leaders or our leaders. Ehsan, uh, another one who is, mm-hmm. I think he was having his 86th international match. He's only, what, 26 years old maybe? Uh, 26, 27 at most. Right. Uh, difficult to see natural leaders. Even Hosseini, as much as he's experienced, he's not as natural a leader as someone like Javod Nekunam was, uh, a captain that you could directly say he's a captain material. Hosseini's experience, he's a, yes, he is a leader, but he's not, for me, there's some, there's a X factor that you want in your captain, you know, and he doesn't necessarily need to wear the captain's armband. But I, like Sina, I, I don't see too many of those personalities in this squad. Uh, it could be because we have a very young squad as well, a lot of young players around. Uh, it's not that they don't take responsibility, the players, but you somehow want to ch- channel that in the right uh, in the right way to prevent people like Saeed doing something petty like he did last time. Or in this game, you had Tarimi doing something stupid, which could have led to a red card as well. You want someone to keep control of the situation, keep the players calm and... Uh, and so forth. So it's 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 tough to see that, but uh, this is the squad that we have, and I don't think that something major is going to change between now and the World Cup. Matthew, if you could basically, based off of what the guys have been saying and based off your own personal viewpoints, tell us what what did you make out of Iran's performance versus Syria? Honestly, I thought the game was okay given the circumstances. Uh, I mean, we have to put it this way: Syria was was kind of playing to their teeth, and and like really like this this was maybe their most important game in in forty years, and Iran didn't have too much to play for. But you know, coming back from going down and uh, still you know finding the motivation and 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 uh, everything, you know, we created some chances. So I I think the game was was okay given the circumstances but it also showed like the problems uh we have 
and and one is midfield and the other one is if if our defense have space behind them i mean the, the second the second goal was was basically that i mean you see how much space was behind the defenders and um all of a sudden they they didn't know properly how to you know close that space down and everything so um that's that's my that's my two takeaways from the game uh that that i would take otherwise really i <laughs> it's it's uh it's difficult to say, and and I hope I hope it doesn't get understood the wrong way. I was happy about the draw. I have very good Syrian friends. Uh, one of them was basically texting me all the time, and he said, after, he wrote me after the game that he can't talk right now, and because it's too emotional for him. So you know, I was like, fine. You know, I was personally, I was very happy with the result and with the way the game went. So <laughs> I can't complain too much, but. Um, what what we saw and what will be an issue for us, and it, it's still an issue for us, if like our defenders or like defensive line we had, if there is space behind them, that's um, yeah, that's 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 that was that's something we can take away from. But the, but the question, Matty, is why at in the ninety third minute, so late, and it wasn't just the ninety third minute. It, it even after we we're up to one, closing down the game, we were kind of. Putting the people forward, we had a lot of players ahead, and then a lot of space behind us. There was it was no discipline at all, and you could see Kairos was frustrated about it. He wasn't so happy on the yeah. touchline even even before we conceded. Yeah, I mean, look, one one thing is, I think, I think one of the things we have to keep in mind, like the mid, like you know, in, in such games, you usually have like midfield players who can control the ball well and you know position themselves well and. You just play the ball around and and uh, keep it, you know. So that's that's something we didn't have. And and I mean, you see where we lost the ball. It was uh, right side midfield, and um, then it was a very quick counter attack. Midfielders didn't close it down properly, and then we had this space behind the defense because they were, I don't know, doing what. So you know, that's 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 an issue. Is this is this does it make sense what I'm what I'm talking about or? No, it does. But I, I'm, for me, the discipline is it, it, which is like you yeah. said, we don't have the players to stop the ball, and this is not something that would have happened when uh, you had someone like Nekunam in midfield. Who one of the things we used to complain about, or at least I used to complain about, was he is, he would kill the tempo of the game so much. Him and Ando towards the end of games, or generally, and we couldn't really uh, have expansive football. We've had much more. A quicker tempo football since he's retired, but then you see in moments like this, you miss that experience and and calm and uh, composure on the ball. True. Yes, obviously, but I mean the thing is also you know it's it's look it's it's so many it's it's also maybe you know an issue of concentration or not not being like bothered too much. I mean I I really can't say this. You have to you have to give the team credit. I mean. In all previous games, you know, keeping the keep, like how many games we won with with like a one-zero score and like kept it tight in the last minute and everyone was concentrated. Maybe oh, this, was, this was really just a concentration point because it's like, ah, come on, it's the 90th minute, we're leading to one, we are already qualified. Why am I even on the field right now? 
I, yeah, it's. I'm not. I'm not saying that this is what they were thinking, but you know, you have to. You have to keep it in mind. You know, we. It also, also coming back from a game in South Korea where we played for long stretches with ten men, and you know, had to defend really tightly. You know, concentration is a factor. You know, so so just I wouldn't. I wouldn't put too much, too much into this fact, but we have to put 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 uh, put a lot into the fact that. There is a problem in the team and from the players we have in keeping the ball and also if the defense is exposed with space behind them, which will be a case whenever we concede first. You know, this is something that, um, yeah. The next topic I want to discuss, obviously it's going to be a huge debate right now into that occur, is um, Ayrza Bayramban. Versus um, In my personal viewpoint, I always thought that the reason why Bayron Van is starting is because Hayri had issues, um, you know, finding a club. And when he was with Maritimo, because of a discipline there, his attitude over there, that's why Karish was opting for Bayron Van. And because of the lack of competition Bayron Van had, it didn't seem like, you know, he was too worried that he was going to lose his spot. But however, now he has to obviously look over his shoulders. Because of the two goals he conceded, which were both two horrible mistakes. Um, Bobak, um, first coming off with you, because I know you're a huge fan of Bayron, man. <laughs> um, what do you make out of this goalkeeping situation now? And do you think this competition that has pretty much arose again for Bayron, man, is going to make him turn into a be better keeper? And would you agree with me that you always that potentially it was nothing to do with Bayron, man, being such a great keeper for club-wise? It was just more of the fact that um, he had no other options in that sense to trust. Uh, Akhbari is still young. Susha, I don't really think he rates him as much and whatnot. Um, okay, well, for me, it's a very big positive and plus that there's an open competition between these two goalkeepers between now and the World Cup. Uh, I was disappointed that Haigi didn't start this game, but again, it falls back into the idea that Kairos really wanted to go with the strongest 11 right now and not leave anything for experimentation. Uh, he probably wanted to take the win and the clean sheet and go uh, continue the record. Uh, so, number one, I was surprised how he didn't start. Uh, number two, yes, he made mistakes. Uh, he's got a tendency to punch the ball centrally, which is a complete no for any basic goalkeeper. Uh, you, you, you punch it out uh, outside the box diagonally on the left or the right, the same thing with heads for defenders but it seems our players have a tendency even in defense i've seen even in this game heading the ball straight out which is not what you're supposed to do and on the second goal uh, he didn't uh, it was on his near post he didn't impose himself he didn't spread wide enough he didn't look like he wanted to save that ball he just went half-heartedly towards uh, uh, closing the angle let's say so I think uh, it's going to be interesting. One of the most important points, though, is what Pejman mentioned last time, that the Swedish league uh, ends, I think, in October sometime and doesn't start again until March or April. That means a crucial six-month period, Haiti will potentially not have club football. And if that happens, then I'm sorry, but uh, Bayroman again would get the nod uh, pretty much automatically. You want your players to be playing regular football, not be rusty, have their reflexes and everything sharp. So maybe today after the game, 
Haiti probably has a little bit of a, he's like a little winner, let's say. Uh, he has a, a plus in the books, of at least in Kairos' mind maybe, that he deserves an opportunity now. But he needs to ensure that he's playing football. And he's playing really well right now. Probably his best form of club football uh, for the last four to six weeks, let's say, in Sweden. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Sina, if you could give us your thoughts. Um, listen, I've, I mean, on this podcast, we've had this discussion many times and I've always been in Bayroman's corner, uh, mostly because, as you mentioned, Hayri has been unable to get a club for whatever reason or he's been injured. Um, and Bayroman has had an impressive few years in the last two or three years. He's had an impressive few seasons with Naft and then Persepolis last season. Well, I feel like he's suffering from a bit of uh, complacency. I mean, even for Persepolis this season, he's made mistakes. Uh, he actually gifted the, the same striker that scored against him in Syria, Omar al-Soma, a goal when he was playing for Persepolis against Saudi Arabia's Al-Ahli in the Champions League. Um, so he, he hasn't been as impressive as, as he has been in the last couple of years. And I think it goes down to complacency uh, for me anyway. But um, look... As Bobak mentioned, and I completely agree with him, I think the winner out of all this is Hariri. Um, I feel like these two are two completely different goalkeepers. I think with um, with Bayron Band, he's not as good of a shot stopper as, as Hariri is, but I feel like his decision-making is, is better than Hariri, although his, his execution uh, leaves, of course, certain questions to be asked. But I think Hariri's main... Uh, weakness, as, as we discussed this before as well, is his decision-making in particular. But I feel like when you play against bigger teams, and especially when the World Cup comes, uh, when you're a goalkeeper playing for Carlos Kairos' team where the defence is so deep, there's not that much decision-making that you have to do, which is why Hayri impressed so much in the World Cup. He, he made some amazing saves, uh, especially against, um, against Argentina. Uh, but when we saw him getting exposed, it was in the games where Iran were playing a bit more open, where the crosses were coming in. I feel like he's a bit unsure. Even in the World Cup, there was a few crosses coming. He was unsure whether he's, he's going to come out or not. If you're a goalkeeper, they always tell you if you have to make a decision. Even if it's the wrong one, you have to make a decision and stick with it. But I feel like he's a bit indecisive. But... Um, Again, I 100% agree with Bobak and what Pejman said as well in the previous podcast that these months ahead, especially after the game against Syria, are crucial for Hariri. He has to play and he has to keep performing the way he has done, he has done in these last few games for his club in Sweden. Because Bayronman's spot is definitely for, up there for the taking and Bayronman needs to have a good look at himself as well. He needs to realise that, look, yes, you are Persepolis' number one, you're playing the Asian Champions League quarter-final, semi-final, whatever, uh, but it doesn't mean that, that your spot is guaranteed. I think when you look at him, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sense of complacency and too much confidence in him, which I think is costing him a lot. So in the months ahead, we, for me, we have to, I mean, Kairos has to try both of them, uh, experiment, see which one works better. But in my honest opinion, when you when you play in the World Cup, again, depending on our group, uh, if you're just going to play a really, really uh, defensive game, Hariri would be a better option because he's a better shot stopper. Uh, but again, I still think Hariri needs to improve his, his decision making. But Sina, just I was thinking of the same thing over the last couple of days. Yes, uh, if we're going to sit back and defend Haiti, doesn't need to make so many decisions. But if we're going to be counter-attacking, 
Beethoven has a throw and a half, and that's a weapon. That's like a secret weapon, and it's so precise. He, he, I think it was who was it he found? Was it Taremi uh, in uh, with a long throw? Uh, I think at the end of the first half, or maybe it was Osma. I think it was Taremi. It was it was precise and. If we're going to be playing deep and our opponents are going to be attacking us, that long throw and Bayroman's, uh, let's say, offensive contribution could be a big asset. I agree. I think that's one of the beauty of this of this debate is that they're two completely different goalkeepers. And you can make a list of pros and cons for each one of them and you'll have the, uh, the exact opposite in each corner. So I think it gives Kairos a very good uh, headache, in my opinion. Uh, but Hariri has to keep playing, as I said. But I agree with you. I think, certainly in my lifetime, I've never seen an Iranian goalkeeper have this good of a distribution. Usually, even if they do have a good kick on them or a good throw, they, they tend to you know, throw the ball out quick or take too much time. And it's usually the, the wrong decisions. But Bayroman gets it right every time when it comes to distributing the ball. Uh, so, again, that goes on to the debate whether... Uh, you know, you, you're going to go with someone who can start a counter-attack and take the opponent by surprise or just stick to your guns and then have someone who, who does the very basics correct. He will not make a, a stupid error, but when it comes to making decisions, he might be a little bit indecisive. Pejman, I want to ask you a question. Obviously, you probably know what you're going to say. From your own personal viewpoint, if you had to choose between these... Um, starting goalkeepers um who would you fancy for russia obviously we don't know who we're gonna get in the group but also is it true that it's only just between these two goalkeepers um you don't think that there's a possible shot that somebody maybe from the shadows could potentially give a compete um amongst these players a three-way battle race for the number one spot uh, that would be Susha Makani then. Uh, he just went back to the Norwegian first division from the top division uh, to Mion Dalen. He plays good there. Uh, uh, he gets results and uh, they like him here over there. But uh, if I'm mis- not mistaken, the Norwegian league is just like the Swedish league. It ends uh, you know, quite soon because it's simply too cold in Norway to play football over the winter. So he will try to need a need to find a new club as well maybe he will come back to Iran that wouldn't gain him for a World Cup spot uh, I can see him taking a spot in the World Cup squad being a first goalie I don't know I think he should prove himself more than in Milan Dolan uh, it's actually not a better league than the Iranian league uh, the first division in Norway sure it's more organized and everything like that but you get more challenge in Iran than, than the Norwegian first league so Susha could be that one I, I can't see Hamid Lack or Akhbari doing anything because uh, they, they got their chances and Akhbari he, I, I don't think he will get called back for a long time because uh, he had a poor performance last uh, season a couple of games for Taktor and that's that's enough for for you to be out of the squad. And I can't see like Daniel Dovar, who haven't played a game in like ages, uh, um, do anything. So it will be between Hariri and Beiraman. Today, I would actually choose Hariri, but Beiraman uh, has got now a couple of months, four, five, six even, to prove himself and prove to Kairos and to everybody that he's a decent keeper that can learn how to improve and not make those mistakes over and over again so it's it's a uh, f- interesting uh, battle 
And one more thing I have to say, just shortly, about the leader in the defense. Haririd, although not being able to speak Swedish, the games I've seen for him in AFC Eskilstuna, uh, he's not afraid to shout uh, uh, against his players uh, or shout at them, actually, and uh, directing them. And he speaks good English and tells them what to do and when to do and how to do it. Uh, if he can do that in Sweden, then why shouldn't he be able to do that in Iran? He's, uh, he's experienced enough and he's been in the... Uh, in a national team, the squad long enough to, to not feel afraid of taking that responsibility. In that case, Harry is more interesting. Uh, Peshman, sorry, I've got a quick question for you. I mean, you're closer to Harry than, than most of us, and you've had conversations with him too. Knowing his previous problems in, in terms of finding a club when he was a, a free agent, uh, how big of a possi- possibility do you see that he can find a club to go to on loan until the Swedish uh, Premier League starts again next season? And will his club allow him to do that? Uh, well, he got a contract that allows him to do that, so it won't be up to the club to decide. Um, the thing is, he can't go to England. When he said himself to me that he had offers from teams like Aston Villa, but you know, uh, he didn't get the work permits. So, if he wants to move somewhere, it will be quite hard because first of all, he needs a decent um, agent, and uh, we know that a lot of Iranian players they, they they maybe don't have the best advisors or they take some not so smart decisions. But, you know, uh, a goalkeeper isn't a, a, a player that you usually buy and let him start uh, the week after. That's some, it's a, a position that you usually want to have uh, a, a decent and uh, ready player that's been in the team a lot. He can maybe find a club in the winter if another goalkeeper, like, say, in second Bundesliga or Italy or a lower team in in somewhere in Europe, Belgium, Holland, I don't know, needs a goalkeeper. That would be his, his spot. But you have to choose very wisely where to move now. Uh, the Danish league could be a possibility because uh, Danish is like the rest of Europe. They play uh, autumn and, and spring, so to speak, uh, and during the winter, you know. So maybe he goes to a top club in Denmark or any club in Denmark. Uh, that's near Sweden, so he can still be uh, living here in Scandinavia. Yeah. Mahdi, if you could give us your thoughts about the situation between um, Bayramdan and Hayri, and which one do you personally prefer? Um, I, I don't see this, this thing with, with Sweden as too big of an issue, honestly, because... Um, I mean, the World Cup is when? It's in June. He will have played like three months with his team in the Swedish league, Allsvenskan again. But but he doesn't have an, he doesn't have a contract for next season. I don't maybe have a I've, yeah maybe I, exactly. AFC wants to extend his contract. If it doesn't have a contract, then that's not an issue. Um, if he doesn't have a contract, obviously I would prefer Bayland. It's it's. Honestly, it's I have I can really say I have no real opinion on this, but uh, I think it will be a matter of of who who will get to the World Cup in better form. Um, 
that's that's all I can say really i I really don't have a strong opinion on this that I'm uh, really uh, partisan about to, be, to, to to put it this way I think both both have their deficiencies and both have their strengths uh, in a way that you guys have explained before and we have to we have to again look at I mean if, if we if we gonna have a defense uh, if we're gonna have a group where we can expect lots of lots of shots on goals uh, maybe Harry, if we're gonna have a Yeah, so I'm 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 really I'm really uh, not having a strong opinion on this, to be honest. So the next topic we want to discuss um, before we wrap it up is obviously the road to Russia with the friendlies that are coming up. A few people from social media have given us their questions, and but you guys have answered them. Um, but coming back to this, that relates to you know this topic. Um, one of the questions. We have is um, before we get into the gist of things. It's which player is likely to captain Team Meli at the World Cup? Um, I'm gonna start it off with you again, Mahdi. Yes. Which I didn't quite. As as someone from social media has asked the question, which player is likely to captain Team Meli at the World Cup? Captain Team Meli at the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, I I really think it will be, if 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 he plays, it's gonna be Jalal Hosseini. Or Masoud Chojai, one of these two. Um, I think they will be the choices. Otherwise, maybe Hodge Safi. So these are these are my three choices. But if if he's gonna be a starter, then Jalal Husseini probably. My 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 guess. Bob Axino Peshon, do you guys have anything to add? Uh, I think that's more or less the same candidates we would all go for. I would give it to Husseini if he's playing as well. Okay. I think I, I agree with the guys, but again, the, even the games that Husseini has played, he hasn't been captain. It's been uh, Masusha Joyo or Dejaga. So I, I would think it's between the, 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 the captaincy would be between those two players. We have two more questions I'm going to ask. I'm going to start off with you, Sina, because I think you might have a better idea. Is A question that we have is Are bench warmers like Karimian and Zatole really the best midfielders Iran has to offer? Um, yes, <laughs> I don't think. I mean, we discussed this before. Yeah. There's not that many options that we exactly. can go to uh, at this moment of time. Um, of course, Ezatoloi has got his more alone move to Amkar. I think it is, if I'm, if I remember correctly, uh, from Rostov. So he'll be hopefully be playing regularly this season. And uh, as you mentioned, Karimi has gone back to Sepahan and he'll be playing there. So. Uh, they wouldn't be bench warmers. They'll be playing regular football. But whether we can do better or not, yes, of course, uh, we could do with someone like Nikunov. I, I think Nikunov, if he was on his peak, I think he would be perfect for a team like this. But, um, again, you know, in my opinion, these are the, the players that we have. There is Omid Ibrahimi as well, but I don't feel like this system and, and the, the, the the way that Kerush plays really suits his abilities. I don't feel like he has been influential whenever he has played, and we tend to criticize him whenever he does play, and rightly so because he's usually one of our. Uh, he doesn't play. He doesn't perform up to his abilities. Let's just say. Um, so at this moment, yeah, I would think it's between Azatullahi and Karimi. Although we have we have seen uh, Cheshmi as well playing the last two games. I don't think he will be a starter in the World Cup, but uh, Kerush has, has surprised us before. Hedgeman, uh, final question we have is, and who should start at center back if Hosseini will not be included in the future? 
Um, and obviously Montezuri is at right now. So is it still going to be more? It's probably definitely going to be Mortiza. But who would you think it's going to be the other center back? Is that a Twitter question? Yes. And who's uh, asking that question? Some person by the name of Ad Rafsin. Okay, Rafsin. Yeah, Rafsin. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know if Ezatola Pulgas will be that one or we'll get a surprise name that uh, we haven't seen in the squads that much. Shoja uh, Khalilzadeh, is he a defender? I do believe he is. Yeah, definitely uh, he, not, though. He's uh, <laughs> he, he makes a lot of he makes uh, he makes a lot of mistakes. Nine out of ten times he's reliable, and then he has that one mistake in him which will definitely cost you the game. So I would stay from him, away from him. <laughs> yeah, maybe Ruzbech uh, he can actually play in that position as well. Uh, that's a possibility. Um, uh, maybe if if. Uh, I wouldn't say Buri he's uh, he, he doesn't play that position quite well and he's actually on the right side more so uh, we have to see we have to see but there are a couple of names no strong ones and that, that could be uh, a major problem for us in the World Cup but that's that's fun Babak obviously it's going to be a long road to Russia um, with Karoj probably definitely having to have a few battles with the Iranian Football Federation However, the Russia game is confirmed, and supposedly, I don't know if it's official yet, that we're looking at Togo, I don't know if that's official yet, but so far, not a bad start, right? Yeah, the fact that we have games, uh, that's always a positive, so we definitely need to play, I think it's seven or eight games between now and the World Cup, Uh, we need to play against European, African, uh, I don't know if North American size probably as well. South American side. We need to play against all uh, types of sides from different continents. We need the experience. We need the confidence of knowing we can go head-to-head with these guys and we can get results. Uh, that's the most important, let's say, factor when it comes to Japan and Korea over the years. And the reason why I still think that, yes, okay, we're beating Korea these days, but teams like Japan, Australia, Korea, they're accustomed to beating uh countries from other continents regularly and that's what gives them the edge against us we don't have that experience we don't have that uh, track record Mm -hmm. so we need to get that uh, under our belt I think we need to experiment with maybe three-man midfield and uh, neglect the number 10 in some of the games Uh, I would definitely uh, invest some time in doing that uh, of course we're going to probably see some defenders coming in and center back uh, maybe another central midfield combination um, the front four or three of the front four at least more or less make up uh, the numbers themselves I think Sardar should be our number nine or the focal point of the attack I said before that uh, anyone can lose their spot but Sardar Azmoun is the one really high quality player who we need in top form uh, he can win games on his own uh, he's got a he's got a instinct for goals he's he's good in the air he can link up well and then he's got a poacher's instinct like uh, I, I saw someone calling him the inzaghi of iran uh, during the game so we need him to be playing at his best and i think another uh, 
question which Kairosh needs to answer is how do we get the best of Adirazar Jahan Baksh for Iran? I don't think any of us can say we've seen him playing the same way he plays for his club in Holland. Uh, we need to find a way to get him to perform for us or influence the games for us in the same manner he does with uh, Azad. So that's another, let's say, question that needs to be worked on during these six, seven, eight months. You know, obviously, it's a pretty um, broad topic, but um, if you want to add your thoughts about what do you, what are your expectations on this road, and is there any notable player that you think that Cairo should be eyeing uh, for a call up? I know there's a center back that recently just moved to Asia um, that you're that you're rating, um, even Kaveh Rezaei, even though we have a huge influx of uh, strikers already. But besides those two, is there any other notable player that you personally, even from the Iranian league? Well, I think um, I mean if you look at look back at the last World Cup, um, uh, a training camp that really impressed me most was uh, a training camp that took place in South Africa, and he only took the domestic players, uh, and his reason was that um, these players, fitness-wise, are not ready to play in the World Cup. So he took him on a on a on a training camp just to uh, work on their fitness and and also analyze them and, and assess which one of them can can play for Iran in the World Cup. I don't know if he'll do something similar in this one. I mean, I hope he does, um, and I'm expecting him as well to do it. But um, I feel like because he has worked with these players for a longer period, maybe he wouldn't need a training camp like that. But uh, again, it's not out of the question. But going back to the last uh, question that you came up to me with uh, on the uh, questions from Twitter was the central midfield uh, question, which ties into this one when you asked me which players from Iran, currently playing in Iran, can uh, be part of this squad. A player that I've mentioned before, uh, mostly because Bobak uh, once mentioned that uh, he likes to see a destroyer uh, sort of a midfield, midfielder to, to be part of this team. I've said this before, Kamala Komyevinio, who plays for Paris Police, is the only player who has that style. I'm not sure if he has the quality to be part of this team, but I wouldn't be surprised if we, we, we get to see more of him. Although he has played for the national team previously in the last stage of the qualification, he hasn't really been involved in the last few squads, mostly because of injury and also because I don't feel like his performances have been that great as they were maybe 12 to 18 months ago. Um, Khaled Shafi'i, the player you mentioned, the centre-back who has moved to South Korea, um, I was expecting him to be to be looked at more seriously and he might be being looked at more seriously. Um, but um, again, I still have my questions about him as well. Does he have that quality to be better than Purali Genji or uh, Hosseini? And I feel like these are questions that can only be answered uh, during these friendlies, during and, and with Kairos experimenting new lineups, new players. And uh, I hope he does because otherwise, uh, I mean, the starting eleven in the World Cup might be the same one as we saw against Syria. I hope not, but it might. It just might be. Matthew, is there anything you would like to add um, based off the comments of the guys or what do you personally want to see? Um, personally? No, I think, I mean, this is this is my own experience uh, with, I mean, when I, when I was younger, let's put it this way, Bobak knows it, you know, you are like putting all like wish lists of like players you would like to see and players you think should be in the team instead of others. Uh, the truth I've learned over time is, especially with national team games, um, 
is, you know, you have very little time to prepare and you take the players you know and you have trained with well and who are used to the system. So that's that's why maybe like, you know, Ali Karimi might not have a team, but he will be called up because he is part of Giro's group for a long time. I think, honestly, we we will probably not see more than four to five players added to the core of the team and that will be mainly in the areas where we know they have we have problems like midfield or defense but we should we should really be like i i don't i don't i don't personally see like much more or much different players coming in but but Piero should really sticking to his uh to to the squad we have, and yes, probably we will. We will maybe see like a similar team to the one we saw against Syria start the World Cup. That's my belief. Maybe not with Dejaga starting, but but that um, yeah, that's that's how I, from from my own idea, I have now in my head. Uh, thing will be. What do you make of the Jahanbach situation? Do you see more or less the way I see it that he hasn't? Uh, hit the gears that he hits for his club, and why do you think that could be? Yes, obviously he. I mean, when you see him play for for Arsenal, you know he is uh, he is. Uh, if he, I don't want to say it's a totally different player, but you know he is a different player. Um, I mean, you have it. You have it. I. Why I I I can put my put my finger on it, but you have it very often that you know if if a team plays different. Uh, in, in the way they approach a game, uh, you know, it's it's a thing. If you play with three in the front, or if you play with uh, with the four-two-three-one, obviously it's it's all different, and it's all you know, depending on on the on the approach and and the roles that the team player has to do. You know, I mean, I honestly I watched too little of Atset to to be you know able to analyze properly how John Bash plays for outset but um one so you know it's 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 more related also to 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 his to the way his other teammates are playing like Tarimi if Tarimi plays Tarimi moves more forward John Bash has to keep it on the wing uh Osmoon is a different type of player than the, the center forward he plays with at AZ. So these are all factors we have to keep in mind. You know, his right back in Timeli is different than the right back at AZ. These are all factors that that uh, make the difference. So obviously, it would be great to 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 make sure the potential and the the multiplier factor of each player gets bigger in the team, but. Um, as long as long as Jahanbach fulfills the role he is supposed to play in team, um, I'm okay with it. But it would be obviously great if he could contribute to the team's offense because um, it's been. I mean, we we always look at the at the way our defense has been playing, and this was great. But we have to also look at it that we scored like what eight eight nine goals in in the whole qualification. So you know we're not we're not a team that that scores goals free flowingly and easily and this this might be a thing going to the World Cup when we have to come from behind. So yes, that's that's my opinion basically. 
before we wrap up the pod, um, Pejwan, if you wanted to add anything to what Bobak just said, and um, what do you hope to see um, from the Iranian Football Federation or Carlos Kairos going down this road to Russia? I hope that the Federation will uh, listen to the national team coach, Carlos Kairos, and uh, his staff about their wishes and uh, try to meet their expectations. If we have a federation that says that you want to go go to the second round in the World Cup, then we need some proper preparations that are made by the federation, not by the coach, actually. The coach is supposed to coach the team and tell them where to run and what to do, not run around and asking for favors uh, from friends in South Africa and Portugal and Mozambique and whatever, just to uh, make sure that they have a chance to to uh, prepare themselves. Yeah, uh, we we will see plenty of fights and uh, Kerosh talking bad about the federation and the federation saying that they're doing what they can to, to support the team. But this is something we're used to now. So I don't think that we will see any anything revolutionary. Uh, Kerosh uh, knows what to do with the team and the players respect him and that's that's the most important thing by now. I mean, Iran is not the only team that have problems with preparation. There are other teams, uh, poor teams, so to speak, as well. Uh, and that's, that's, that's our reality. So we just hope for the best and uh, maybe uh, a good game in the World Cup could change all that. Well, as always, I appreciate your thoughts. Um, it was a pleasure, obviously, having you on, Matthew. We hope to have you on soon again. Uh, thank you, guys. And um, for the viewers, as always, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you. Right now, joined with Arya Aloverdi. Arya, thank you for coming on Gold Vazan. I know it's been a long time coming. And how are you doing today? Thanks, Pasha. Yeah, it's good, man. I'm just um, excited to be here. Excited to be able to talk to all the Iranian supporters and non-Iranian supporters and uh, hopefully we can discuss some things about Iranian football and uh, come to some conclusions as well. Uh, tell us a little bit more about you. So you've been supporting, uh, I'm assuming, Team Melly are you alive? Yeah, so obviously I've been supporting Team Melly my whole life because obviously I'm, I'm Iranian. I was born in Scotland. Um, my parents are from Iran. They've been here for over 30 years, but um, I speak Farsi fluently, so there's no like, there's no, you know, different accent or anything like that. I speak Farsi like a normal Iranian. So, other than that, um, in terms of football, you know, I've been coaching football for about about five years. So I'm only 20 years old. So obviously, you can say like 15. It was when I started out in school, and then I moved on to uh, getting my licenses through the Scottish FA. And from there, I've been doing a lot of stuff, work, work with uh, Park Thistle, which is one of the teams in the Scottish Premiership. So last year, I got um, an offer to coach with one of the, the grassroots teams uh, in the Youth Academy of uh, Park Thistle. So I've been doing that for a year now. Um, I'm moving on to get my Scottish uh, sea licence, which is like the equivalent of, like uh, I don't know, the English Level 2 or... Like UEFA, I don't have UEFA's level two, whatever they have. Uh, so one below the UEFA B license. Um, 
and hopefully next year I can go on to do my UEFA B licence uh, through the Scottish FA as well. But yeah, I've been coaching with them for a long time, and even last year I was um, I was in America for about three months. During the summer, I was working with uh, a company called Challenger Sports, and I was doing uh, coaching for different uh, various camps, uh, different um, like academies and clubs around the east coast of um, like the northeast, like in New York, Baltimore. Yeah. Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, all those places around um, America and I was coaching it for about three months and hopefully I can go back again next summer and do the same thing but maybe with um, like higher level camps and higher level clubs uh, just because I'm obviously gaining more qualifications um, but yeah, other than that I'm at university uh, studying sports coaching you know, and sports psychology, biomechanics so I'm into sports <laughs> in the football no, I appreciate the support, and I wish you all the best. So let's get into the gist of talking about the match that occurred yesterday. Um, yep. Very uh, disappointing result, honestly. Um, yeah, it that, was, it was. Something that probably yeah. not even the own Syrians would have believed it themselves. But I'm just going to yeah. ask you about like your initial thoughts on the lineup. Is that what you expected? And obviously, a uh, discussion we're going to be having as well is with um, you know how vital of a player Jalal Hosseini has been for a national team because if you look at when he wasn't playing still poor Ali Ganji and Ansari looked out of depth um, you saw the collaboration the partnership wasn't there and yep. um, it just goes on to show you how vital of a person our captain is and with him is and um, and then we're going to talk about obviously Ryan Tafazoli and without with the lack of depth that we have in center backs and that's the issue with Montazari out being as well and um, yeah Saida being out and Obi Demraim being out in center mid. Um, so we mm-hmm. Kairos does have a lot of issues. And um, from your own point of view, where do you see it going? Uh, so yeah, I mean, like, the game last night was a disappointing result. Two two, we conceded two goals. The unbeaten, or not the unbeaten, but the you know the games of conceding a goal stopped there. So, um, but yeah, you know they are a weaker side than Iran. Um, and you were saying about the lineup. Um, yeah, I was surprised that he put out, I mean, a strong lineup, but I was surprised that he put out players that had played a game against South Korea, which South Korea is obviously a tough team to play against, and they ran so much in that game, especially having 10 men. So I was expecting him to maybe come with a team that's maybe a bit fresh, you know, fresh legs, after running so much with 10 men on the pitch for almost one half. I was expecting him to maybe go with something that's a bit more fresh legs, you know, a couple of players, Torabi. Um, I was expecting actually uh, Hariri to start in goals. Uh, maybe I had a, a shuffle in defence as well. Maybe Kafuri coming on for Rizalion. So it could have been a lot of you know a couple of changes. But you know, even if a, a strong team, uh, his his favourite team, as you can tell, with some of the names Osmond, um, you know, uh, etc. Ali Karimi didn't do that well either. So he came on with a, a strong team, but you can tell that they didn't really. Um, they weren't from the from the from the whiff, from the first whistle. They did actually struggle with the pace of the game. They were a bit slow getting out of the blocks, but. Um, yeah, I, uh, they did. They conceded two goals. We'll come on to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, it's a it's a bad result for for uh, you know a, a good a good period of you know ten games that we've played and you know in the qualifiers. You know, to come up with that two two, not great. But you know, we'll, we'll need to move on from that. Yeah, and um, just going to the gist of um, just I just want to discuss firmly about you know Ashkan Dijaga, which is very, yeah yeah definitely that's very surprising that he's still playing right now. Um, just shows you how big of a trust that Kairos has with him, and even the bigger issue with this is it just shows you how big of a problem we have at number ten. 
Do you potentially exactly. seeing uh, Salman Godus uh, filling up that role? Because it definitely seems like even though he had his issues with a visa and stuff and he couldn't get any playing time for him to officially be a team Mendy player, but it sure seems like he's um, he's not going to ditch Iran, um, even if he yeah. gets a call-up from Sweden. And do you see him sliding in there? Um, well, they just, um, Ashkan, you know, he's a, he's a great player. We know he's a great player. He's been he played in the in the Germany under twenty one, so you know what I mean. So he's he's a good player. You know, he's he's one of the. He's, I would say he's one of our best players still, at, even at his age. But yeah, you're right. You know, he, he will get old. He's thirty one now, uh, maybe thirty two coming up in June, I think, something like that. So you know, yeah, someone uh, you know, he's a great player. I've seen him play at Sweden. Um, He's a similar. He's actually quite similar to Dejaga in a lot of ways. He has that sort of, you know, that physique, that stockiness that he brings to the game. Um, obviously, right-footed, has a great shot on him. Probably a bit quicker than um, Dejaga, and he also has a bit more balance as well. He's a bit shorter. He's about five foot nine. He's a bit shorter, so he's a bit more balanced to the game. But yeah, I think he would be great. I actually think he would play out wide to start with uh, for Iran. I, I feel like. Um, Kairosh will we'll start to play him out wide and then maybe as Shojai and Dejaga, you know, as soon as they start to maybe peak off a little bit, he will move into the middle and players like Torabi and Tarimi will come back to the wing. I think that will, maybe the way it will happen, maybe not, maybe he will play a number 10 straight away and we will just see a, a winner coming in uh, instead. So, you know, I think he's a lot of options with him in the team. Uh, hopefully he get, comes back against Russia uh, and Togo, actually. We've got a friendly against Togo now. Apparently that's what Mehdi Taj said this morning. We've got a friendly mm-hmm. against Togo. So you could play two friendlies coming up soon in October. So I think it's a good chance for him to get involved in the national team and play some games under his belt. Uh, but uh, back to the digital, yeah, great game yesterday. I think he had a good game against South Korea too. Mm-hmm. I think he did well. He worked hard. Obviously, with 10 men, he's always going to come off at one point because you can't have an attacking midfielder. You need to bring a striker on to have that focal point up front. But he, he had a strong game against, against Syria. You know, he, he, um, from the front, he was probably the only player who actually showed, uh, maybe with Haisafi as well, that really bit of energy because maybe he came off against South Korea a bit earlier on, a bit of energy about him. But, you know, he, um, he showed a lot of skill. You know, that, that situation where he passed the ball to... Uh, Sadar Osman just before it he did a bit of an unbelievable bit of skill you know he took the player on to his left foot round him and then passed it through unfortunately Osman missed the chance but you know it, he's a great player and he, he's one of those guys who can create he obviously had an assist for Osman as well so from the corner so you know he's, he's one of those players who can unlock defences but he can also be a vital player physically he can impose himself physically um, and he did do that he, he, he um, used a lot of his uh, shoulder barges etc in the field and he looked good he looked good for his age he looked really really good hopefully he can get a, a team soon as well he can get a club soon and he'll just become a bit better than he already is just now what kind of form he's in just now before we speak about um, Ryan Tafazoli I just wanted to talk to you about the whole Ali Reza Bain Ramdan situation and it seems like yeah. Ali Reza is so, going very well in Sweden um, in my personal mm-hmm. viewpoint, um, I just don't think Bayron Ben has been tested. And when he has been tested, even at a club level, he's given a few blunders. I just see he's very um, prone to making errors. And we saw yesterday, even though... Um, yeah. Yeah, actually, I, I want to discuss about that, actually. The yeah. goals that he conceded, both yeah. of them. Um, Do you see Arias like earning his um, play? Yeah. Mark? I hope so. I hope so. I really hope so. I think he's he's clearly. I mean, his team are level course. First of all, his team are the lowest team in Sweden in the table. But for me, that actually 
for me, kind of in some ways, um, for a goalkeeper, especially if I was a coaching a goalkeeper, um, you the only positive you would sort of say if your goalkeeper is doing well and your team's bottom of the table, it means that your goalkeeper is getting a lot of practice. <laughs> he's getting a lot of he's getting a lot of shots in his goal. So you know, if his goalkeeper is doing well. But his team's doing bad, maybe you can see then it's his team's fault. His goalkeeper is not in, it's not his goalkeeper's fault. So his goalkeeper is doing well, that means he, he's doing well. So um, hopefully he can do well for Iran if he gets another chance. I hope he does because uh, just if we talk about the goals that uh, Bayroman conceded yesterday, his first goal that he conceded was uh, actually looking at the replay uh, about an hour, like the, earlier this morning. Um, I wanted to speak about it a little bit. See. When the free kick came in from uh, Omar Al Soma, you can tell that Omar Al Soma is using the Cristiano Ronaldo style. He's going to come in for a knuckleball, like free kick style. So the ball dips early, um, and if you watch the replay from a dip, from the angle where the goalkeeper is standing, you can see that Bayron Van is standing literally like maybe a tiny little step away from his goal line. Which, if from a coach's point of view, uh, if I, if my goalkeeper was doing that. And, my, and I knew that the player was going to hit a knuckleball free kick, I would be shouting at him to tell him, you have to come at least a little bit further off your line so that you can uh, you can uh, deal with the drop. Because the ball mm-hmm. is going to drop earlier when it's a knuckleball technique. Right. Um, that's one of the things that you have to do. You must come a little bit, you must gamble, or you must actually read the player's uh, run-up to the ball, how he's going to approach it. And um, you must read the the path of the ball early because it's going to drop early and if you see the replay the way the ball went to his hands it dropped in his hands and it bounced up again and then the rebound came in but if he'd been a bit and he's actually reaching for the ball forward if you if you look at the replay he was reaching forward to get the bounce which was which is wrong he shouldn't be doing that he should be going to his side to hit the ball to his side but because he was reaching forward the ball went forward and bounced up and they re- the player got the rebound and they conceded the goal um, so his positioning was wrong his positioning was wrong, and in the second goal, we can come back to that if you want to speak about it, if you have anything to say about the first goal. Yeah. I mean, it was just, uh, what can you say, honestly? It was uh, yeah. two goals that were very, very poor, and both of them were yeah. mistakes. Um, something yeah. that you would expect from pretty much a goalkeeper that is right now, yeah. you know, trying to prove himself in front of Karoš, and now that he actually got tested, and he unfortunately failed yeah. very miserably. Exactly. And um, but it's good because this this competition is gonna actually make Bayron Van much more of a better keeper now in my eyes. But yes, now no. let's talk about um, you know the lack of depth we have in centre back. Um, it, it's, okay. a, it's a main issue. Um, Mortiza Purali Ganji has been solid alongside um, Jalal Hosseini. Montazeri has been solid alongside Jalal mm-hmm. Hosseini. He's such a vital vital player for us. The big yeah. issue that we saw even the last two matches was um, how Ansari looked out of place. Um, even mm-hmm. he got subbed out, but because yeah. of the trust obviously Kairos has in Mortis because he's been playing for us, he let him play and then he brought another se- center back in Purgas and he wasn't even the best of whatever. So we do have an <laughs> issue in center backs. And a player yeah. that is a friend of ours, um, somebody I know personally, somebody that I've actually watched a few times play, is Ryan Tafazoli. Heavily linked yeah. to Team Meli. Um, there's some things I can't say about him personally just because of the respect I have for the national team. However, yeah. he's getting monitored, and there's no question about that. But coming off of you, obviously, you know, living in Scotland, and I'm not sure yeah, if you've yeah. actually ever watched, um, you know, Ryan play for Petersburg United, but I know somebody that you highly, highly rate. Um, yeah. Tell us if you've ever watched Ryan, and um, do you potentially see him giving him that call-up? He has the physique as as what yep. Karish has been seeking 
has a, you know, Kadosh always wants a player that has a physique, the height, the presence, and Ryan fits into that criteria. He's six of five, even could play in the in the middle of the field, um, which he used to play, but now he's sliding back at yep. center back. Yep. So yep, he has everything right. he wants, and he's a versatile. And as we know, Carlos Kadosh loves players that are versatile. So asking you again, Ario, is that have you ever watched Ryan closely, and um, where do you see him playing? Yeah, so obviously, um, I think we all, I don't know if everyone watched it, but a lot of people watched the game against Chelsea yeah. um, last season in the FA Cup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you watched it, Pasha, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah he, 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 in that game he struggled. You know, in that game he struggled quite a lot. But that's a, that's a game against against Chelsea, you know, that's, a, that's the big dogs. You're giving, that's like feeding, you know, something big, <laughs> whatever, I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what the the saying is, but you know what I mean. But, um you know, if you watch him in the in his league and his in the league two, obviously in the UK we don't really have coverage of the league two that often. Sorry, in the league one, in the league one that often you have like the highlights. You get you get highlights of the of the weekend games every every night, but that's just the highlights. You don't you don't get any like full replays. But I've watched him. I watched him. You know, closely. You know, as much as I can. Um, I watched some of his highlights on YouTube as well, and I, I was, and I've obviously. I watched that game against Chelsea. So I saw bits and bobs of his of his game. Um, uh, obviously, being from the UK, I understand the the British game a bit more because mm-hmm. of you know I've, I've coached in it as well. I've coached in, in British games, so I know what it's. I know what they expect of their players. Um, just back to Tavas. Tavas, you know, he he will offer the national team. I would say three uh, main sort of areas that he would improve in their national team. I would say the first area is probably tactical. Uh, the tactical would be like um, like providing uh, opportunities to score goals from set pieces, and also his height, you know, his physique, and also he will nullify uh, the other team doing taking a set piece. So you know, he'll he'll stop with the d- defense from la- launching big free kicks or corners into the box, and he'll maybe head them away. You know, he will have a much lower percentage of uh, set pieces conceded with a taller player in the team. That's you know that that's that's common sense. That's going to happen. But um, that's tactical. You know, technically, I would say that's the second point. Would be, you know, as you said, um, Pasha, you said that he played in midfield. So in, in Southampton, which is a great youth team, you know, they've mm-hmm. obviously produced Oxley Chamberlain, um, just to name a few. Uh, uh, Ward Prowse, Ward Prowse. Yeah, 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 Gareth, yeah exactly. So um, yeah, he played in midfield. I think he was their captain. I'm not sure if he was their captain. Um, I think that's what I heard. I think he was a captain or something like that, and they're under nineteens or something like that. Um, and he was the mid- he was like a, a, a defensive midfielder, holding midfielder back in the day. And you know that, that just shows he's comfortable on the ball. So technically, he's comfortable on the ball to pass the ball. Like he knows how to bring the ball to defence effectively. Understands you know how to play it out, start an attack from the back. So that's important. You know, Kairosh wants that. He wants someone who can play from the back and build forward. Um, obviously, he's left footed as well. Uh, we saw that with Ansari. Ansari, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually disappointed because I thought he'd be, a, I thought he'd be a good player. You know, um, I watched him for Paris Police. I thought he'd be okay for us, but I don't know. He just, he struggled. He did struggle. It's in South Korea in the first half. He struggled. Syria, he took him off. That just means that he really, really struggled against Syria. So mm-hmm. he brought progress for progress for Ansari. I mean, that just shows how bad he played that he put, mm-hmm. put him on. So yeah, you know, I don't. I don't know how long he's going to be playing the team for. Uh, the third point that I was going to put for Tafazoli is physical. That's obviously I just that you just know that because um, if you watch the game against uh, South Korea, Korea put on 
um, their big tall guy, uh, Kim Shin Wook. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kim Shin. They put they put him on, and obviously Syria had Omar Al Soma, two massive physical you know giants playing up front, um, and they did really. They, they, I mean, Soma, you know, he he killed Ansari. You know, he was he was destroyed. If you watch if you watch replays, Ansari struggled a lot. Even Prali Ganji started struggling a lot mm-hmm. uh, against him. So. Um, and then we have Artem Zhuba for Russia coming up in October, and we also have Adibayor for Togo. So two again massive guys um, that we have to try and nullify in some respect. Uh, and he has that build, that physical frame that will stop attacks coming in from high ball set pieces. Um, and weaker and weaker teams like Togo is a weaker team than Iran. You have to admit that they're gonna try and play that ball to Adebayor. We know that. They're going to try and play that ball to Adebayor a hundred times during the game. And if we don't have someone defending against Adebayor against Togo or whoever, let's say we play against uh, Lukaku in Belgium in the World Cup, you know, um, we're going to struggle. Uh, because Hosseini and Montezegui are getting old. They're not going to jump as high as they used to when they were younger. And Purali Ganji is good at jumping, but jumping doesn't always help. You need someone who can stand still and just, and just impose physically. That's different from jumping to win a header because it's got a different technique to it. Um, so that's not going to help so much. But you know, we'll see. If he comes to the national team, I think he'll be a big, a big, big um, improvement in the defense. You know, uh, fantastic points, and obviously knowing how well of a clean manager and very organized manager Carlos Queiroz is, hopefully the federation yep. will, you know, give him what he seeks. Um, but obviously, it depends on the group who is around. I just want to talk a little bit about the future. Um, for the World Cup, and uh, obviously we don't know who's gonna be in our group. However, just asking you, just from you know, just based off of now, do you potentially seeing Cairo is changing his system depending on you know the teams, or do you just see him that he's he's gonna use the same team he has right now with the same lineup, and he's it's it's just gonna be different tactical formation as opposed to you know basing it off of who we're gonna play, uh, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, if we get a weak, if we get a really weak team in our national in the World Cup, which is unlikely, but if we do, um, then you know what's going to happen. We weak teams are going to try and score goals against stronger teams by usually by three ways. You know, they're going to try and use um, like uh, let's say set pieces is one of their main ways to score a goal, high balls, and like counter attacks. You know, they're the three ways they're going to try and score goals. And if we are, you know, if we're being lazy, counter attacks are going to happen. If we don't have a tall player, we're going to miss uh, headers and set pieces and high balls. So we need to cover those um, gaps, first of all. Um, in terms of, you know, who's going to pick for the national team, you know, um, I know Kiroz, you know, he's a, he's a great, he's a, you know, I know, he's a, I know he's a great coach. I know he knows his team really well. He's been there for, what, six years now? Six years, seven years, yeah. I don't know. Um, but he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a fantastic he's an, coach. He's an Iranian. He? He's not Portuguese anymore. He's an Iranian. You know, he yeah, he's an Iranian. Iranian. Give him his citizenship, yeah. man. Give him, <laughs> give him his passport, man. Jesus. Um, <laughs> give him a statue next to the stadium. Um, no, but listen, he's a, he's a great coach, and we know that. You know, Otherwise, we wouldn't have had no goals conceded. Oh, sorry, no goal. we wouldn't have had no goals conceded up till now. Until Syria, so and no no losses, you know. So, um, you know, he's a great coach, and I know he and I respect his decisions. You know, I'm not gonna bash him for making a, a decision because I'm not I'm not a UEFA pro license coach. You know, he's a pro license coach. You know, who am I to tell him he's doing it wrong? But um, if I was to give my opinion, 
then I would say, yeah, I think, you know, maybe he should change maybe one or two things that, you know, take from that game. Hariri, I definitely think, should deserve a chance. Um, and I feel, obviously, I, feel, I think, obviously, a few players were out of his hand. You know, some of couldn't play yesterday. Um, but in, hopefully in Russia, um, you know, we see Tafazoli and some of maybe get involved. We see, um, hopefully, Saida Tolai's red card doesn't keep him out of the first game. If it does, then that's a shame. Because if it was me, I wouldn't call him up. Because there's no point having a player who can't play the first game. <laughs> you know, cause that that might, that might, that might be the most important game, uh, and the next two games might be the hard uh, might be the hardest games ever. And we can't even play a player a player like Isatolai anymore because we need someone who's a bit more physical, a bit more defensively sound, like Cheshmi, for example. And if we can't play Isatolai in the next two games, so why should we even bring him along? You know what I mean? So if you know, you have to, he has, he has to. Uh, Evaluate that, and uh, you know, up front you got tons of options. You got the four strikers that we we obviously we all know who are who are fantastic. You you've even got Kobe Rezoi, who probably deserves to be called up <laughs> at this stage. And you know, you got five strikers who deserve to be called up to the national team. And that's crazy to think right. that. You yeah. know, most I mean, if you look at Brazil, they probably only got two strikers to call up for the national team. But we only got Gabriel Jesus and Firmino is not even a striker. You know, they don't yeah. even have any strikers, but we've got five strikers. Yeah. How crazy is that right now? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Um, it's just the depth that uh, Kairos has implemented. And yeah. it's made these players, um, you know, want to go more, you know, move overseas to prove themselves. Even Shabbos, yeah. uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the, play, the former Paris Police player, that right now I believe he's in Iceland or something. It just goes on to show you these players. Yep, yep, or yep. even um, Barzai, you know. So, yeah, yeah, but Ben Ambarza, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, He's gone to Turkey. Yeah, was Manly for yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. Another player, yeah, sex yeah, strikers, yeah, <laughs> and even um, uh, um Sajad Shabazad. You know, even him. You know, he did really well against Galatasaray. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's obviously out of the picture now. But you know, he was one of those players who could have got called up, and he didn't even get called up. That just shows that there was so much depth at the time that he didn't even get called up. You know, <laughs> so it's um. You know, it's a good it's a good time for Iranian football, and we should all be proud of the national team, and we should all uh, respect Kiroz's decisions um, and just enjoy enjoy the football. No, in my definitely. opinion, Arya, we appreciate obviously your time and stuff. So I don't know how long you've been supporting uh, Gold Bazaar and whatnot, but I appreciate you giving us your time and always supporting us. Thank you, and yeah. as always, more than always, happy to have you on. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you.